0: So good morning. Uh, happy Mother's Day. You guys aren't going to say happy Mother's Day back? All right, whatever. Um, I'm glad you're here on Mother's Day. Moms, uh, whether, whether that's biological or through adoption or through years of m- mentoring and mothering young men and women uh, that aren't biologically related to you for Jesus, we love you. We want to honor you. We want to thank you. We want to we give you some help if you need it. So we're a church that cares for you. If you need anything, mothering, being a mother is hard, so we would love to help you. Um, and then also, I would just say that, moms just look at me real quick, moms. everybody look up at me real quick. Um, milk this day for all it's worth. <laughs> so go big, all right? New kitchen, new car, Spa day. Like milk this day. You deserve it, all right? Turn to the, the husband or the, whoever's with you and say, I deserve it, all right? You didn't do that. I noticed you didn't do that. Hey, and uh, dads or people who have mothers, do, do something. Just do, just do something. I don't care if you don't have any money and you don't have any artistic ability Make that card, okay? Make the card. Doesn't matter what she says. Your mom, your wife, if they say like, oh, it's no big deal, I don't want anything for Mother's Day. Lies, all right? It's all lies. It's lies. You have to do something. Get your kids together and do something for your mom, for your wife, whoever it is. Trust me, you lose nothing by doing something. You could lose your life (laughs) by not doing it. You always treat the beneficiaries on your life insurance really well all right you treat those people well okay you should write that down guys you should be writing that down okay so i'm glad you're here if you're joining us online i want to welcome you from all over uh, we're glad you're connecting with us online uh, i'm pastor Jake the lead pastor here um, as you connect with us online make sure you uh, tell us where you're coming from and and who you're watching with in the chat we'd love to connect with you that way. Uh, so if you are new today, hey, I'm also kind of new still. Um, I just realized that my first Sunday here uh, as lead pastor moved and everything uh, was Mother's Day last year. So I've only been here uh, about a year. And so if you're new, don't freak out about that. I'm new too. First service didn't clap for that. You guys, You guys won today. You're winning. All right. I think I had a relative start that somewhere, I'm not sure, no, Uh, but if you're new, so am I, no big deal, we can be kind of new together over the next years or whatever, so it's been an awesome year, God has done so much at Great Oaks, in and through Great Oaks, and um, I believe the best is yet to come, right, Great Oaks people, the best is yet to come, God's going to do some awesome stuff, so we are uh, in a series called Open Hands, today is our second week in this series, it's just through May, so four weeks. Uh, in this Open Hands series. And here's the basic idea of this series. You and I, everybody, we're all, no matter our age, really just still learning how to share, right? Like we're all kind of like four-year-olds trying to figure out how to share. If you're a mother of young kids or, or a father of young kids or had young kids at one time and your memory's still good enough to remember that, you didn't block it out. You told them over and over and over, you need to share, right? You got to share. You got to share the blocks. You got to share the toys. And when you went to pre-K, they went to pre-K, kindergarten. That was like a big skill that they were supposed to learn. I mean, the teachers like wrote about that, right? Like they write it down, like does not share well with others, right? It's bad, okay? And so we want to share, but it's hard. Whether you're 4, 14, or 44, we're still learning how to share. And it's, it's more than just your stuff. It's more than just the toys you have. Although I would say you and I are still learning how to share our toys as well. We need some help in that. But it's more than that. It's, it's really, it's everything. You see, we were born with this selfish sin nature that causes us to naturally hold on to everything we've been given with tight fists, whether it's resources, time, money, stuff, tangible things like that, or intangible things like joy, even faith, the truth of the gospel. We tend, you and I, to to hold on to to stuff. It's our nature and it's our culture. Our culture screams all the time, hoard, gather, keep, hold, close your hands. Our default position in life is to do life, to live life with closed hands. And I said last week, it's not hard to see that, right? I mean, just think about how easy it is to spend, but how difficult it is to give. Think about your kids. They didn't pop out of the womb like, they didn't pop out of the womb at all, probably. They didn't pop out of the womb like super, like generous and willing to share, did they? No, you had to teach them that. You had to teach them that. That's, that's the way it works. Everybody struggles to share. So our default position is to live life with closed hands. And yet Christ followers are to live life with open hands. So there's this tension, our natural tendency pulling against what God has called us to do. We're supposed to live with open hands to God and open hands to people, with our stuff, our time, our faith, the truth of the gospel that God has given us to steward, with, with forgiveness and grace. We have been forgiven and shown grace, therefore, we forgive and show grace to others. Everything in our lives, our nature, the culture, the world, the devil, it's all trying to get us to clench our fists around everything we have. And yet, God calls us to live with open hands in every way. There's this tension. So in this series, we're going to talk about this from four different angles. Last week, we started by talking about how we are to live with open hands first and foremost to God, right? We live with open hands to God. And we really just made one point, and that is that we live with open hands to God because He first... Opened his hands to us, right? That he owns it all. He doesn't have to give us anything, and yet he does. He opens his hands to us so we can open our hands to God. And then the implication being that if we close our hands to God, it's because we believe that God has closed his hands towards us. He will not provide, he will not give, he will not come alongside us. Therefore, I have to hold on to everything I have, not give it to the Lord, not open my hands. And so we talked about living with open hands towards God and how that grows from a trust that His hands are open to us. If you missed any of that, you can grab uh, the video of the message online, greatoaks.church, or you can get the iTunes podcast and catch up that way. Today I want to talk to you about being open-handed with your faith. If you have your Bible, you can grab it and head over to Psalm 78 and Titus Chapter Two, Psalm seventy-eight and Titus chapter two. If you don't have a Bible like this one with pages and everything, you can with you today. You can grab your phone or your tablet. It's okay to look at those in church. It's not okay to look at Facebook in church, but it's okay to look at U Version Bible app or some other app. But if you go to the U Version Bible app and hit live or event. Uh, you'll get all of our scriptures today and even be able to take notes you can follow along in your bulletin as well titus chapter two psalm seventy eight i'll get there in a moment, but listen I need to give you i need to give you a bit of a reality check today um, and, and reality checks a lot of times they're not fun, are they uh, we We kind of avoid them right uh, we don't want reality we want fantasy that's our natural tendency and so they're difficult. Like that that checkup at the doctor. Like you, you, he told you last year that if you don't change your lifestyle, you're probably gonna die. And so now you're like, I did change my lifestyle. I eat more donuts, all right? <laughs> and I have a bigger recliner so I can fit in it. Okay, and I changed my lifestyle, but not in the way he wanted me to. So I'm. I'm avoiding that reality check with my doctor. Or maybe it's a financial reality check. You know things aren't right in your finances. You need to sit down with your spouse and go through the numbers and try to figure out how to save up and have margin and tithe and all of that. Maybe it's financial, but you're just avoiding it. I don't want to get into it. I don't want the reality check. It's just too hard. I'm just going to live in fantasy. Or maybe it's your marriage. You can act like everything's fine in front of people, but when you get home things aren't fine. You're two ships passing in the night or there's been some blow-ups that you haven't really talked about and there's some serious issues, but you're just avoiding it because it's better to not have that reality check. You know you need to sit down and talk it out, but it's scary. Reality checks are like that, right? But what's the alternative? Well, what's the alternative? We, we just live in a fantasy world about everything, and, and then it all really falls apart, and it's too late to fix, right? Isn't that the other alternative behind, besides having this reality check and, and talking through things? I mean, they may be scary, but reality checks, they, they wake us up. They at least give us an option to deal with our reality, to maybe even change our reality, to make some changes, Right? They at least give us that option, and so reality checks are, are useful, and it takes intentionality, right? It takes being intentional, like that's our problem. Most of us, lots of us live life like everything's just gonna work itself out in the end, right? Has anybody ever experienced that? <laughs> that like you just do nothing and act like it, reality isn't reality, and it all just works out in the end? I have yet to meet anybody that that actually worked for, because I don't think it works, we have to live based on reality, right? We have to have these reality checks. Things, things just don't fix themselves. We wish they would, but they, they don't. And so I need to give you a bit of a reality check here today. The Pew Research Group has found that for the first time in our nation's history, less than half of Americans identify as Protestant believers in Jesus Christ. That means that less than half of Americans would say that they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior as the Bible teaches. Today about one in four Americans say that they have no religious affiliation at all. We call them the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. They check none when it comes to anything spiritual, Uh, a truth about eternity, a higher power, God, Jesus, the reality of heaven and hell. They check none. I have no belief about this. Not I disagree or I believe something different, but I have no belief about it. I don't even think about it. One in four in our nation. And that's out there, outside of the church, right? Right? Let's talk about in here, inside the church. Lifeway Research found in a survey they did a few years ago that 80% of people who go to church once or more a month believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith with others. So 80% in the church, church people, would say, yeah, I have a responsibility, a weight to to live. Open handed with my faith to share the truth of the gospel with those who don't yet know the truth of the gospel. 80% would say, Yeah, I have that responsibility. But 61% have not told another person how to become a Christian in the last six months. Do you see the tension? 80% say, Yeah, I should do this, but 61% say, I haven't, I haven't though. I haven't. And check this out about half, 48%, say, they haven't invited someone to attend anything at their church in the last six months. I have this responsibility to, to share Christ, but I'm not doing it. I have done it in six months at least. Now just think about this. This is, this is a reality check. If, if you're not a follower of Christ, you, you don't have to worry about this, right? It's not your thing. You don't, you don't have to worry about it if you don't follow Jesus. But if you are, this might not be the most exciting news as far as the health of the church world goes, but this is where we're at. If statistics are right, half of you in these chairs, I almost said pews, but we don't have those. Half of these in these pews, half of you in these pews have not invited anyone to church in the last six months, any anything, any church thing. And 61% of you, three out of five of you, have not talked to anybody about Jesus in the last six months. I mean, just I don't know your life. I'm not following you around. I don't have, you know, cameras on you or whatever trying to figure out which statistic you're in, where you fall on this. So just, why don't you just be honest? I mean, it's church. Why don't you just be honest with yourself about this? Why don't you just ask yourself this question? The question's up there. Do, do I, ha, have I invited anyone to church in the last six months? Have I shared about Jesus, talked to somebody about how to put their faith in Jesus? in the last six months. And this is, just a, this is just an invite, right? This is just a conversation about Jesus. That's what we're talking about here. But actually, we were called to do much more than just invite or have a conversation about Jesus, weren't we? The, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus said that we are to go into all the world, all nations, baptizing people. We're supposed to make what? Make Disciples say that with me, ready? Make disciples. So, why don't you ask yourself that question? That's a much harder question, isn't it? How many disciples have you made in the last year? Two years? Ten years? How about your whole life? How many disciples have you made for Jesus? I mean, is it like 50? Or is it more like one? Or maybe none? Listen, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to get you to be honest about where things are, honest about your reality, about our reality. What, what's my other choice, right? I mean, what's your other choice? Just to act like things are fine? To act like we're all doing this and everything's fine? I hope you believe in the power of God in Christ, the truth of the gospel the reality of heaven and hell i hope you believe in those things enough i hope i hope that when you look into your heart you find some compassion for those who are lost and don't know jesus enough compassion and enough belief in those things i hope you find that so that you're able to at least think that this matters that what i'm telling you it, it matters an atheist once said if you If you do believe in a real heaven and a real hell and a real Jesus who's the answer, how much would you have to hate someone to not tell them about it? An atheist said that. It's a convicting thought, isn't it? If you believe those things, you must really hate people to not tell them. So I'm hoping you'd rather know the truth so you can do something about it than just live in denial like everything's okay this is where we're at. And we're the ones to blame, right? The church, the Christians, the ones who believe in Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have to worry about this. But if you're a follower of Christ, then we're the ones to blame, right? I mean, we can't blame the world, can we? They don't have the message of Jesus. They don't have... The gospel they don't have they haven't been entrusted with passing this on it's us the church believers that have been entrusted with this whole thing we can't blame politics we're the ones who give politicians their power right we can't blame time we have the same amount of time you and i have the same amount of time each day as every other human being that's ever lived on this planet we can't blame time we can't blame accessibility to the truth I mean, the Bible is more accessible today, especially to you, more accessible than it has ever been in the history of our world. I mean, you can get like 37. Different translations. You can get the parallel translations. You can grab it on your phone, your tablet. You can listen to it. You can buy a bunch of real cheap Bible. I mean, you can get the Word of God so easily. It's unbelievably convenient and accessible, isn't it? I mean, we are the ones hoarding the truth, holding on to it with closed fists, covering the light. Enjoying our salvation with no thought to those outside of it. Happy Mother's Day, right? (laughs) I mean, what a great Mother's Day message this is. I could have given you like a fluffy message today, one that you'd forget this afternoon. I have a file for those. Just could have grabbed the fluffy file and... I don't have a file. I'm kidding. I could have given you a message today that wouldn't change anything. and I could have done the whole, like, you're doing a great job. Good job, everybody. Just give yourself a clap. No, I was kidding. Don't really give yourself a clap. I could have done that whole, like, you're doing great, but even if you're not, right? Even if you're, you're not. I could have done that, but listen, I, I'm not your cheerleader, I know I look like a cheerleader, but I'm not your cheerleader. If you want a cheerleader, you should go somewhere else. I'm your pastor. So I want to encourage you. I want to build you up, sure, but I also am tasked with telling you the truth and spurring you on to fulfill what God has called you to fulfill in your life. So happy Mother's Day open the scriptures with me, and I'll show you something that I hope will move you and make you rethink some things. Say, Psalm 78. Psalm 78. It's on page 488 in my Bible. <laughs> Psalm 78. Verse 1. Give ear, O people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known. If you're taking notes in your Bible or on your bulletin or in your phone or whatever, you can just write that 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 part, it it really just means that God has not been silent that he has spoken to us, that we just have to incline our ears. He's not hiding the truth from us. It's saying we already know. We've already heard. We can have the truth. We do have the truth. The apostle Paul later would write in Romans 1 verse 20 that we are without excuse, that you and I are without excuse. I don't have time to get into Romans 1 today, uh, but you can read it this week. It's Mother's Day, okay? I gotta keep going. Stop, stop interrupting me. Verse 3 the rest of it things that we have heard and known that our what fathers have told us so we know the truth because someone told it to us right who told it to us our fathers our mothers the generation before us right they're the ones who passed on the truth to us we know it because they told it to us. Let's keep reading in verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Okay, so moms and dads, grandmothers and grandfathers, aunts and uncles, this text in Psalm 78 is literally talking about your kids, the kids that are in your life. It falls to you to teach them the way of the Lord. It falls to you to teach them the deeds of the Lord. It's on you to unpack for the children in your life the truth of Scripture, the love of of Christ the grace of God that's on you to that's literally what it's saying your children the children in your life this is this is on you to unpack and it and it it's very clear there's a clear warning in verse 7 so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. In other words, if we avoid this, if we ignore this, if, we, if you live with closed hands when it comes to your faith, the result of that is a generation that forgets God and doesn't follow his commandments, refuses to follow his commands. A generation that has no belief about God, The result is a generation of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people who have no affiliation, no belief. That's what this produces. That's, That's the warning here. And it says that it actually goes past this next generation because... It said how you teach this generation, they will teach their kids, and they will teach their kids and grandkids, and it'll just keep going. And so it actually is more than just what's going to happen next generation, but what's going to happen three and four generations down the road. So if you have kids in your life, whether they're biological kids, adopted kids, whether they're nieces and nephews or grandkids, whatever it is, when you read Psalm 78, and it's talking about this going on for generations... It's a terrifying idea, isn't it, parents? That what we teach our kids will keep going forever, will affect not just their generation, but the one after them and the one after them. It's a terrifying idea. I mean we we had child dedications in first service and people were up here you know saying yes 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 I I believe that this is this baby is a gift from God. I believe that I I commit that I want to I want to live for Christ in front of this child and I want your help as a church for to do that and, and all that was happening up here but really if you're thinking about oh my gosh I, I not just this baby but this baby's baby and th- that baby's baby and there's this forever kind of mentality, you might not want to get up on the platform, right? You might go, you know what? That's terrifying. That's that's terrifying. Yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, listen, there's a good kind of fear, isn't there? There's a kind of fear that'll save your life. Don't run next to the pool you're drowned. Don't touch the fire or you'll get burned There's a good kind of fear don't punch a lion in the face that's just an extra one that's a good kind of fear i think the thought of like this is going to go on for generations generation generation i think that thought i think that's a, that's the good kind of fear that's the kind of fear that'll save lives so Psalm 78, that's the Old Testament written originally to Jewish people, the chosen people of God. Teach this to your kids so that they know. And if, if you don't, it'll produce this generation of nuns that believe nothing about God. And the Old Testament is just, it's just full of this kind of thing. God told the people of Israel over and over and over, he'd say, build a monument, build an altar, put 12 stones together and make sure it's right past the river where I let you through miraculously. Set up a feast that happens yearly. Set up a Sabbath that happens weekly. He's saying over and over and over, do this, do that, set these things up. Why? To remind you of who I am, who God is, And what he has done in your life. So that the next generation will see that and go, you know why we stack those stones? You know why my father's father stacked those stones? It's because God did this amazing thing for our people. You know why we have this thing here? It's because God is real. and We serve this God who's real. And he, he's the creator of heaven and earth. You, you know, we're about to start this holiday. We're about to serve the, or, or hold this holiday, this feast, celebrate. But we're not just doing it because it's fun. We're doing this holiday because it reminds us of who God is. Because we're set apart, because we're different, because God called us to something different. Over and over and over in the Old Testament, it's saying your faith is not just about you. Don't hold on to it with closed fists. Don't do that. Be open handed with your faith to the kids in your life. If you don't, if you hide it in your fist, the next generation will not know the Lord. That's the Old Testament. Then Jesus shows up and it gets a lot easier, right? Everything's easy after Jesus shows up. It's not not true, right? We get to the New Testament. God doesn't change from Old Testament to New Testament, but he reveals himself in a new way and he makes a new covenant with his people. And in this new covenant, it's very clear that faith is no longer just a Jewish thing. But it goes beyond that. It's clear that we're not just supposed to open our hands to our kids, share our faith with the kids in our lives, but with with everybody. Now, I mentioned the Great Commission in Matthew 28 a minute ago where Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, right? All, all nations, it's to everybody. It's not just your kids, but begin to live open-handed with your faith to other people as well. Jesus says, let your light shine. Don't, don't hide your light. Let it shine to everybody, to all people. He uses language like, like the bread of life that gives life to the whole world, everybody. Everybody. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are to be ambassadors for Christ out in the world. We're to represent him. We're to live open-handed with our faith and the truth of the gospel out in the world. Ambassadors. Ephesians 3.10, I've preached on this before, but... It falls to the church, to us, the believers in Christ, to make known the manifold wisdom of God to the universe. Through the gospel, we've been given the, the, the message of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. But God says, it's on you, the church, to make my manifold wisdom known, my big, all-encompassing wisdom known to the universe. If, in case you're confused about that, it's everybody, right? Right? the universe that's that's everybody okay it's not it's not like to the stars like we're screaming out the gospel to the stars. we're talking about the the people in the universe everybody right the church is supposed to do that through the church this would happen not not the institution of the church not a religion not a building not an organization that's not what i'm talking about it's through the church as in the believers in god in christ right The church is made up of believers, those who have faith in Jesus, it falls to us. The way the world will know God's wisdom is through the church, living open-handed with our faith, telling others. That's God's master plan here. That's it. And this whole teaching thing, this whole living open-handed with our faith thing, it's not just about us out in the world, right? To non-Christians who don't know Jesus, but it's about within the church too. It's, it's here in the church too. Let me, let me show you what I mean in Titus chapter two. It's at the end of, or towards the end of your Bible. I'm going to read you the first six verses. They'll be on the screen. Titus chapter two, verse one says this, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good. And so train young women to love their husbands and children, be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Verse six, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. So this is in the church. This is in here, among the body of believers. Now, I'll let you decide whether in this text you're an older woman or a younger woman or an older man or a younger man. I'm not gonna put a number on it. Not today, okay? Not on Mother's Day, that would be bad. I'm not going to do that, but I don't really think that this is talking about the extremes in age. So I, I, what I, I don't think this text is saying those who are oldest in the faith should teach, train, disciple those who are youngest in the faith. I don't think that's what it's saying. I think this is relative. That The, the question that this text is asking you is, are you older than anyone in the church? Are you older than anyone? If you are older than anyone in the church that you belong to, then you are to disciple, mentor, teach, and train those younger than you. Tracking with me? Tracking with me? Okay, I'm going to keep going because I, I don't believe you. The text is also asking this question. Are you younger than anyone in the church? Because if you're younger than anyone in the church then you are to be trained, be discipled, be mentored by someone older than you in the church, right? That's what this text is actually saying. If you're younger, you get mentored. If not, you mentor. Or even if you are younger, you're older than somebody, right? The idea is that you are constantly and consistently opening your hands to those younger in the faith than you, teaching them what you know, what you've been through, helping them along. Is this the way it's supposed to work? No matter your age, this is the way it's supposed to work. Ninth graders mentoring seventh graders. College students mentoring high school students. 25-year-olds mentoring 20-year-olds. 85-year-olds mentoring 75-year-olds. Right, this is the way it's supposed to work. Or eighty-five-year-olds mentoring fifteen-year-olds. You're mentoring somebody, right? You're discipling somebody. But let me say this too, though: if if you are in that older group, like on average, if you're more, if you're older than more people than you are younger in your church, in this church, you don't have to look around. All right, I saw some people looking at, like, some younger people looking at some older people. I'm like, hey, respect. All right, respect. Right now, so. if you, if you think, I think I'm probably in the middle or, or, or up from that as far as I'm older than more, I'm, I'm older than more people than I'm, than I'm younger than, um, if that's you, and especially if you would call yourself, like, like, especially if you've been doing this Jesus thing for a long time, if you would call yourself like a mature, I, I'm, I think I'm a pretty mature believer, um, if that's, that's kind of where you're at, then I have this to say to you, we need you. I need you. The church, the body of Christ, it needs you. Mothers who have raised kids, younger mothers need you. Fathers who have raised kids, younger fathers need you. Men and women who have some years under your belt following Jesus, younger men and women need you we the church we need you so if that's you if you are older than more people than you are younger than in your church in our church then my question to you is this are you are you involved in the lives of the younger generations of this church I want to clarify, I did not ask, are you involved in the church? That's not my question. My question is not, do you serve in the church? Because a lot of your minds went to, no, but I, I set up the communion. No, but I do first impressions. No, but I do this over here. No, I stack chairs, so I'm good to go. Check, box done, right? I didn't ask you that. I'm not asking you if you're involved in church. My question is, are you involved, are you engaged in the lives of those younger than you? in this church? Are you training anybody? Are you discipling anybody? What are you doing with, with, or are you doing anything with those 20 years younger than you? I mean, do you know any people 20 years younger than you other than your own kids? Do you know them? Really know them? Are you close to any of them? If you're not, we're missing out. The church The body of Christ, we're missing out. We're suffering because of that. We need you. We need you. Look at Titus 2 again with me. What's the purpose of all this that the Apostle Paul is talking about and this training and discipling and this working in the church and outside the church? What's the purpose? Verse 11, starting there in Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So it's because Jesus, the grace of God, has come, bringing salvation for all people. It's because God's purpose, his big, grand, huge purpose, his main plan, that the reason you and I are here, the reason the church is here, the reason that the stars shine and the wind blows and the sunrise is beautiful and the sunset is beautiful, the reason that you have breath in your lungs and blood in your veins is that this would happen those who are far from God would through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross step closer to God. It's so that the world, a world of people out there would know the truth of the gospel and have a chance to be rescued by a God who loves them who would go to the end of the universe for them, who would leave the 99 to come for the one, the God who would risk everything for them, that they would know that, that they would know him, that they would have a relationship with him that's it that's the reason we're doing this that's the reason everything exists it's all so that the next generation psalm 78 the next generation might know the truth of god the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in god so that god would get the glory for all of it all right here's the main idea from all of this. On paper, it's obvious. But in life, it's far from obvious, far from automatic. Your faith is not about you. Your faith is not about you. It's about, it's about God, His glory. And, and in case you're confused, God is all about rescuing the world through his son Jesus Christ and what he did on a cross. So your life, your faith, it's all about that. Your belief in Christ, what he's doing in you, growing in him, being used by him, all of that. It's not about you. It's it's not about holding on with closed fists so that you're okay. It's not about feeling you know, enjoying your salvation while Not worried about everybody outside of salvation. It's not about that. It's it's not about you. It's about living open-handed with your faith. That's the way this works. That's the way it was set up to work. So when it comes to actually doing this, like actually pulling this off, 61% of you haven't talked to someone about how to become a Christ follower in the last six months. Almost half of you haven't invited anyone to church or a church function in the last six months. So when it comes to actually doing this, there are some hurdles, right? If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. There are some hurdles. There are some difficulties that we have to get past. You, you might say, I don't know enough. I don't know enough to share my faith. I just don't know enough. Well, that, that might sound humble, but it's actually back to being self-centered, Right? It's still all about you and what you know and what you don't know. You need to change the posture of your heart and go, it's not about me. It doesn't matter how much I know or don't know. I've been given something. I've been told something. I know something. Whatever that is that's in your hand, you have a choice to close your fist around it or to live with an open hand in regards to it. And you say you don't know enough, but but remember Psalm 78. What is it that we're supposed to tell the next generation? Psalm 78 verse 4 said we're supposed to tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. So what is it that you're supposed to live open-handed with when you're sharing your faith? What are you supposed to be sharing? Is it systematic theology? Is it doctrine? No, it's just... Here's what God's done in my life. Here's what he's done in scripture. Here's what he's done in my life. It's just sharing the glorious deeds of the Lord and who he is. That's it. If he's done anything in your life, you have something in your hand to share. What about this one? I, I'm too busy. Too busy to do this. Too busy to, I haven't discipled anybody. never made a disciple Ever. I've been following Jesus for 30 years and I have never made a disciple. It's because I'm just so busy. Yeah. Not if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're you're not a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter. If this is a hobby to you, if you're here because your mom made you come because it's Mother's Day, right? If you have a drug problem, you got drugged to church this morning. Just lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> if that's you and this isn't real for you, if this isn't real for you, then, then maybe I'm too busy will work. But if you're a follower of Christ, I'm too busy, is just not even on the table, is it? It's not, not even on the table when it comes to living open-handed with your faith. What about, uh, I I don't know what they're going to say when I share faith, my coworker, my neighbor, like what if they're mean? What if they're jerks? Like what if, what if I get, you know, called a name or something like that? Or I lose this relationship because I was too crazy about my faith. What about that? Again, we need to change the posture of our hearts. This isn't about me. It's not about what happens. God has given me something. I'm choosing to live with open hands with my faith, no matter what happens. What about, I've made too many mistakes. I mean, if I tell them what happened to me, if I tell them my journey, they're going to know all the mistakes I made. They're going to know I'm not perfect. I'm going to have to talk through that. They're going to know all my junk after that. Change the posture of your heart. It's not about you. Your faith is not about you. It doesn't matter what they know or don't know. God has given you everything you have, even those experiences. He's gotten you through the valley so that you can help others. Because Psalm 78, back to that, it said in the end in verse eight that we do this so that, we, that the people we're sharing with our kids don't become like their fathers, Psalm 78 said, who were stubborn and whatever else. So the whole idea here is that you share your mistakes so that your kids don't end up like you. Right? so I thought I'd get like a hallelujah on that or something. Thank you. So you do this so that they don't step in the same piles you stepped in. So they don't fall in the same pits that you fell in. So they don't have to go through the same things that you went through. You share your mistakes to, to help them. It's not about you. It's about the next generation. Your faith is not about you. Reality checks are hard, aren't they? But they're so much better than the alternative. I mean, if we really believe what we say we believe, aren't they better? We could have avoided this or ignored it another week, another month, another year, another decade. But it would have led to even more heartache, more trouble, and it would have been too late. At least I can say that I put this before you. That I told you the truth, that you were given the chance to make a change and to not be in that 61% that haven't talked to anybody about Jesus the last six months or 48% that haven't invited anyone to, to church or any activity at church in the last six months. But after the reality check and we go, yeah, I need to make a change. I need to start doing this. I need to start living my life with open hands in regards to my faith. This is serious. I want to start doing this. After that, you have to realize that you can't can't do it alone, right? You can't do it on your own. It's bigger than you, bigger than you're able to pull off. So you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need God's help if you're going to start living open-handed with your faith. So let me just close by giving you a prayer to pray. We're giving you a prayer each week during this open-hand series. Um, So this is prayer number two. We hope that you'll write these down, pray them every day or week in the month of May and maybe even after that. Last, Last week's prayer was this. God, help me be convinced in every way that you will give me all that I need so that I can live with open hands to you. Here's today's. Jesus, help me live like the faith you've given me isn't about me. Teach me how to open my hands to share with others the faith that has been shared with me. We're going to say this on three. I'm giving you a couple seconds to realize what I just said. Did it, did it register? We're going to say this on three together. Um, if you love Jesus, you'll say it. If you don't, you won't. Um, open. I was kidding. I was just kidding. If you don't say it, you could still love Jesus, just less than the people who say it. So open hands prayer number two. We're going to say this on three. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus, help me live like the faith you've given me isn't about me. Teach me how to open my hands to share with others the faith that has been shared with me. All right, let me pray over you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. First, I thank you, God, for your word that is always true and always cuts deep into and through the lies of the enemy and the lies of our culture and, and our own lies to ourselves. God, I thank you for that. I pray as always that whatever is of me would fall to the wayside quickly. And God, that whatever is of you, whatever you want to speak today would haunt us for the days and weeks to come, that we wouldn't forget what you're saying. I pray that you would help us, God. I beg that you would help us to live open, with open hands in regards to our faith, that we would share it with others, that we wouldn't close our fists around the truth of the gospel, but we would share it freely, that we would realize our faith is not about us. As we keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if you're in here and you, you want to you take that step from like, hey, this is just something I do on Mother's Day or this is just kind of a hobby, it's kind of a side thing that I, I go to church because good people go to church or whatever. If you want to take it from that to a real faith, you want to give your life over to Christ today, I want to give you just a chance to do that with our eyes closed and our heads bowed. Maybe you're here and you're going, man, I don't share my faith because I don't really have faith. I don't really have the light in my life, I want to give you a chance to make a decision for Him today. Maybe it's, hey, I used to kind of be in when I was a kid or 20 years ago or whatever. But man, I want to, I want to refresh and renew and recommit and kind of, I want to ask God to make me a new creation today. I want to, I want to accept the truth of the gospel and be changed by it. If that's you, just with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, just, just pray that. You don't need. You don't need a priest or holy water or me to say a certain prayer. You just say what's on your heart. Just tell him, Jesus, I need you. I want to be different. I want to give my life to you. I want to commit my life to you. I want to submit to you. I don't even know exactly what that means, but I want to I want to leave here different than I came in. God, I, I need you. I need you, Jesus. Please save me. Rescue my heart. Make me new. Just say that in your own words. Just pray to the Lord right now and make that decision. If you did that, if that's you and that's where you're at, whether you've prayed it just now you're thinking it or whatever, but, but you want to give your life over to Christ and you want to be made new. You want to be a new creation today. It's serious. You're, you're serious about it. If that's you, I would love to pray with you and pray for you. So with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if if you want to give your life over to Christ today, make that decision. Would you just slip your hand up for me so I can see it and I can pray for you? If you want to give your life over to Christ, once and for all, yeah, I see that hand. Anyone else? If you want to give your life over to Jesus, yeah. Okay, keep your hands raised. Let me pray for you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you would that you would guard the seed that has been planted today, that you would guard it against the the lies of the enemy, against doubts. Jesus said it would find good soil and produce a plant that bears fruit for you. I thank you for saving souls, God, for being a God who rescues, who loves, who saves. We love you. And if you're in here, and as we keep our eyes closed and heads bowed, just one more moment. If you're a Christ follower, I'm not gonna have you raise your hand or stand up or sign on a dotted line, but I don't want you to leave here without making a decision about what we've been talking about. It's your decision. Maybe you need to talk to God about living open-handed with your faith. Maybe you need to think seriously about how to disciple other people, how to share the truth of the gospel. If you're not doing that right now, I, I invite you to make that commitment between you and the Lord. Maybe you tell your wife or your husband or whoever's sitting next to you, maybe you get their help and their accountability, but you tell the Lord right now, I, I'm gonna do differently. I'm gonna step out. I, I need your help, Holy Spirit. Help me to do this. Don't leave here without making that decision. Jesus, help us to be a people who live with an open hand towards you and towards others. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Here's my prayer for you today. May you realize your tendency to close your hands around everything you're given, even your faith. May the Lord help you shift the focus of your faith off of yourself. And may you open your hands. God bless you. Go to a life group this week to talk this over. And just like always, I say this every week. Just like every week I say this. Don't don't let this stop with you. Just like you've been helped to take your next step towards God. So go out in your life and help others take their next step towards God. Open the scriptures to Psalm 78 and Titus 2. Talk about living a life of an open hand with your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. God bless you, and happy Mother's Day.